With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Today's episode of 94 Feet Report and all the episodes of the 94 Feet Report are brought to you by Fan Essentials. If you use promo code 94feet at checkout, you'll get 30% off your first subscription to Fan Essentials. And we are also brought to you by Daily Fantasy Nerd, um, a great site that gives you a lot of tools for daily fantasy for like DraftKings and FanDuel and stuff like that. So if you click on the customized link in on my Twitter at Eric Spiros or in our podcast summaries, um, you can help the podcast out and get some great daily fantasy tools. Um, we had D- Duncan Smith on the podcast tonight. Um, unfortunately, there were some technical difficulties uh, for the first couple of minutes of the podcast. So some of that has been deleted, unfortunately. Um, but um, we will jump in now um, to Duncan and I talking about uh, a player, uh, Nick Young, who we are uh, choosing for our, our new segment on the show called Watching You. Um, this segment, Watching You, um, is a segment where each week I will choose a player or a team of someone I'm watching for either good or bad reasons. Um, so we're talking about Nick Young here, and I'll, I'll let it play, and hope you guys enjoy the podcast with Duncan Smith. and player. Um, so it's nice to see him kind of have a turnaround, and it'll, I'm really interested to see if, if he's going to be able to keep it up throughout the season. Um, so who's the player um, or that you are watching this week? Uh, it's your guy, James Harden, right now. Is, uh, I'm pretty much all in on Harden, and I uh, have been for uh, pretty much the whole season so far. Um, I haven't checked to see how tonight's game reflects in his average or anything, but he's been just completely incredible. Uh, a few days ago, I wrote about his season, his open to the season for Hoops Habit, and uh, um, he's been an absolute pleasure to watch. He's probably my single favorite player to watch right now. I know that a lot of people don't find his, his game appealing visually, um, but it maybe it says something about me. I don't know. It works well with the way I play 2K. <laughs> I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, I, I really dig Harden's game, and I like I like the way that him and this new look roster and uh, like Antonio have have come together really well, and they have fit really nicely. So uh, he's the guy I'm watching this week. Yeah, a couple things. Um, tonight's game 
they cruised against the 76ers, and um, I believe he put up 33 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds. So his assists and rebounds will go down. The scoring will go up. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're going to get to him in a little bit when we talk about performers of the week. Um, but, yeah, as you said, you know, that's a pretty hot take of saying that Harden is one is your favorite player to watch. I completely agree with you. Um, everyone knows I'm a Rockets fan, and, I mean, it's not only that he – I enjoyed watching him in the past, but now you throw in D'Antoni and you give sh- and you give Harden shooters around him uh, and Gordon and Anderson, and it's just – the Rockets are just a, a delight to watch, and which is a much needed after last year's just abysmal year, um, and they were just a disaster and just terrible and just not fun last year. Um, this year um, – they're winning games, um, and they're fun to watch, which is really what Rockets fans ask going into the season. Um, I don't think a lot of them had extremely high expectations, um, but if Harden keeps playing like this, I mean, who knows what they can do, um, and they'll get Patrick Beverly back um, hopefully Wednesday so we can see him go off against his, his friend uh, in Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook, um, but more likely it's Thursday. Um, so the Rockets are getting healthy, hopefully and they stay healthy, and Harden continues to play like this. Um, so, yeah, he's really someone – I'm watching him the whole season. Um, I really thought about when adding this segment to the show, just making it a watching you and just having it about James Harden each week, but I thought maybe people would get bored about that. Um, but his numbers are get, are so extraordinary that he's he would be acceptable to put in, as watching you for the entire year. Um, yeah, just a, just a regular Harden segment every single week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I will have to add that. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, let's move on to performers of the week. Um, I've got three listed. You might have some other ones um, that I probably missed. Um, but we just talked about Harden. Again, he was just chosen as Western Conference Player of the Week this week. He had back-to-back triple-doubles against the Spurs. One of them uh, was a victory in San Antonio and then a loss in Houston. Um, and then up until tonight, I just mentioned he only had nine assists tonight. Um, he had six straight games of 12-plus assists going into tonight. And, again, going into tonight, his past five games, averaging 28 points per game, 14 assists per game, and nine rebounds per game. Um, you know, going into the season, a lot of people were talking about the Russell Westbrook revenge tour and how he's going to put up the, the best numbers we've probably ever seen, maybe since Oscar Robinson. And, yeah, Westbrook is putting up absurd numbers. He had another absurd night tonight. Um, and Westbrook's getting his numbers. But Harden is getting his numbers, and more, I mean, increasingly people are starting to realize how great Harden's numbers are um, and starting to respect him. But a lot of people still overlook him putting up very similar numbers to Westbrook. I would argue I would argue better numbers than Westbrook, and I, I think you would too. I think you mentioned that in your article. Um, so, yeah, what has is, what is really just impressed you about Harden? I mean, besides obviously, obviously the scoring, we knew it was going to be there, but no one expected this kind of assist total, maybe except Mike D'Antoni, who actually wants him to average 15 assists per game. Uh, he's a little short on that. Um, so just what has really impressed you about Harden? Again, you have looked into him. You do follow the Rockets and write about them quite often, and you did have that article a couple days ago. So what really has impressed you about Harden, um, maybe even on both ends of the floor? Um, I think... If his defense can be like close to neutral, that's that's fine. So um, I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna give him that much credit, but you know you don't really need a whole lot of defense out of him. The offensive side, though, he's uh, he is just completely off the charts as far as efficiency goes. Um, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I think coming into tonight, he was his true shooting percentage was something along the lines of like 64 percent. Um, his counting stats and that true shooting percentage has have never been 
even close to replicated over the course of an entire season. Um, there's really no, at, at least the teams that have that he's had to face so far, there's really no solution to just plain stopping him. Um, it's a, he's deadly out of the pick and roll. He has shooters all over the floor now. Uh, I mean, Trevor Ariza and Corey Brewer now are not like the two best players, like the Thank two best boy, shooters for him. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got weapons at his disposal, um, and so you you can't cheat ever when he's got the ball. He's he's potent, you know. Um, he uh, I had something here actually. Uh, it might have been from the article. Um, I can't find it now, but. He's he's just I would say right now he's the most efficient offensive attacker in the NBA and I don't think it's close particularly um, and I think that's something to be said for with uh, with Durant and, and Steph Curry in Golden State um, I I think right now the kind of offensive efficiency that he brings to the table uh, it certainly surpasses that of of uh, Russell Westbrook who I think is basically an extremely electrifying volume score. Um, and Harden is not like your prototypical volume score. He has the volume, but the efficiency is not what you associate with a volume score, period. Um, he's, he's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I mean, um, in the past, you know, Harden wasn't always efficient, um, but this year he's got shooters around him, he's got easier looks. Um, so right now he's shooting this season, going into tonight, and I think he shot 60% tonight, so this will go up, but going into tonight he's shooting 48.5% from the field, 37% from three. Um, again, going into tonight he had a 64% true shooting percentage. Um, and yeah, you, you really don't know how to stop him because he's got he finally has shooters around him that can actually hit threes when he passes it to them. Um, I can't tell you how many times last year Harden would dazzle around and try and run through a pick and roll and kick it out, and all you would see is Corey Brewer, and you just knew that it was going to clink off the, the rim or the backboard. I don't even know if it would hit the rim. Um, so it's, it's just such a delight to see shooters around him. It just makes Harden so potent. Um, yeah, again, as you said, he's just more efficient than Westbrook. He's probably the most one of the most efficient deadliest scorers in the league right now and probably i would say the the best offensive player in the league right right now um in this early stages of the season um we knew he was going to be fun to watch in d'antoni's system but i don't think people expected this much um of a jump maybe casual fans didn't um but right now going into tonight he had a 12.9 offensive box plus minus and only a negative 0.3 defensive box plus minus so a box plus minus 12.7 and, and people have noticed how bad the Rockets have been when Harden is on the bench so um, hopefully when Beverly returns and Gordon can move to the bench that'll solve that um, moving on to the next performer of the week I mean it, every week I do these performers of the week segments and it seems to be the same people every week um, but yeah Westbrook um, he almost had back-to-back triple doubles uh, including that 41 points 16 assists 12 rebound night on 67% shooting with two turnovers um, against the Magic but the Thunder have lost four straight. Um, again, as just mentioned, they lost to the Magic at home with Ibaka hitting that game winner in his homecoming. Um, or his return to OKC, rather. Um, again, Westbrook had a, another monster night. I don't remember exactly what it was, um, but it was close to a triple-double. I'm pretty sure it was like 37, 15, and 8 or something. Um, you watched the game against uh, the Pistons tonight. Um, so overall, I mean, we've already talked a little bit about Westbrook, but is there anything else you want to add about what he's been doing that's been 
particularly great to you? As far as particularly great, um, he is putting up tremendous numbers, but it's also, he is really just a one-man show. Um, he had 25 out of, I think, 40, yeah, he had 25 of the 47 points that the Thunder scored in the first half today, uh, tonight against the Pistons, and I commented on Twitter that uh, he'll probably get 50 points tonight, and I'm completely fine with it. You know, like, he is the entirety of that offense. Um, Enos Cantor in 17 minutes, and uh, Jerry and Grant were the only other guys that got double digits on that team tonight. Uh, and, it, you know, they, they're just not an efficient offense running through him. Like, he puts up tremendous numbers, and that's really cool. Um, but he's just like the epitome of a one-man show. And I think that's what the Thunder need because they're just not that good aside from him. But, um, I mean, that, that's really what he brings to the table. And we got the opportunity to see what he's, what he's able to do when he's a one-man show a couple seasons ago when Durant missed most of the season and they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think they still won 45 games, so that's not a slight on him. But, um, you know, that same season... Team that was littered with injuries, and uh, he led them to a second seed that same season yeah. in the West, yeah. and in that like hyper competitive West. Um, so Russ is great, but he's not. Uh, I think his reputation is a little bit beyond what uh, what it should be, basically. Yeah, no, we had a conversation on Twitter um, that I mean, I think really, I think that. His athleticism and his vines are, are what have almost almost overrated him at this point. Um, people now, and I talk to what I would consider kind of casual fans, just assume that Westbrook is a lot better of a defender than Harden, which is just not the case. Um, and again, as you mentioned, I've made that argument before that you know Westbrook had a chance to carry a team. Yes, he was injured a little bit that season, and yes, his team overall had injuries, but they only won 45 games and missed the playoffs, while Harden, whose team was just destroyed by injuries, um, carried a team to the second seed and 56 wins in that ultra-competitive West. Um, so, yeah, I'm just interested to see how long Westbrook keeps up this pace um, and when his teammates will step up and if they can step up, really. They just probably might not have the talent to step up and help Westbrook out. Um, moving on to my final performer of the week, um, DeMar DeRozan. Um, I've never been a huge fan of DeRozan. Um, I've never really liked his game. Um, I mean, he just never really struck me as someone that I was really excited to watch uh, on a consistent basis. But he has had three straight 30-plus point games, and he's averaging 34 points per game on the season. Um, so my two questions are, one, can he keep it up? Because he's shooting um, a lot better than his career averages. And two, does it make him a serious MVP candidate if he keeps up this level of play and the Raptors are, say, probably the second seed in the East? Um, I'm not buying... The, uh, the pace that he's off to. Um, he's, I'm looking at his numbers here, he's shooting 52% from the floor. Um, he's not shooting threes, like, at all, basically. I think he's taken, like, a dozen threes. Um, and I gotta give him credit for, like, focusing on his strengths and avoiding those weaknesses. But I don't think that this, this pace of his is going to keep up. Um, too many mid-range shots, and while he might be one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA, uh, that's eventually that's going to come back and at least level off his uh, his numbers somewhat. Um, I don't 
think that he is um, how to say this I don't think that he is a scorer on the level of Michael Jordan which this kind of pace would keep him would, would put him in the class of yeah. if it was carried out over the season you know yeah um, and also I mean you would think that as the season goes on teams would just know how to or smart teams at least or well coached teams um, will at least know how to defend him so you, you really just force him to take threes leave him open um, at the three point line just maybe throw a guy at him when he comes in, inside the three point line who knows um, but you know if teams really figure out how to defend him because they know what he's going to try and do and go to that mid range shot um, I think he's going to slow down and I, I still don't buy him as a serious MVP candidate he's a great scorer um, he doesn't really do much else he's not a great playmaker I think he's averaging four assists per game um, and I think four rebounds too so he's not a great rebounder he's not a great playmaker um, he's an above average defender I would say I wouldn't I wouldn't you know praise him on defense necessarily um, so he's I would consider kind of a, a focused score and that's really it even if you were to keep up a pace similar to this pop not this extent and the Raptors were the second seed I mean I don't know, maybe Kyle Lowry gets hot and takes some thunder away from DeRozan. So I'm not buying him as a serious MVP candidate. And yeah, as you said, I'm not really, I don't think he can keep it up. Um, so before we move on to hot teams of the week, are there any other performers of the week that you had that I missed? Um, Chris Paul has jumped right off the page at me. Um, I did a breakdown for Hoops Habit a couple days ago on what the Clippers have been doing to, to teams and... On that note right now, they're just dismantling the Brooklyn Nets. They won that game in the first quarter like they do every game they play lately. Um, and uh, as of as of the writing of that post, again, about three or four days ago, they had a stretch of three games against the Portland Trailblazers, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Pistons. And uh, I don't have the stat right in front of me, but it was something to the effect of um, starting point guards from those three teams over that three-game stretch shot four for 26 for 14 points. Um, that was Patty Mills, Ish Smith, and Damian Lillard were the three point guards that uh, that the Clippers put on absolute lockdown. Um, and while Chris Paul isn't putting up like remarkable counting stats this year, he doesn't. He's not averaging career highs in anything. Um, other than three-point percentage, actually, um, he's he's that guy who is like the primary lockdown guy on opposing point guards and just completely shutting down backcourts. Uh, right now, I think that Chris Paul is, in spite of his numbers, he might be one of my say top four MVP candidates, and that's with like a sub twenty points per game average. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think he, I would put him in my top three, um, maybe third. I don't know, maybe even second. I mean, the Clippers are a really good team. We're going to get to them in the hot teams of the week segment. Um, but he's got about a 32 player efficiency rating going into tonight, a 63.3 true shooting percentage. I'm just looking at some of his advanced stats, and yes, it's early in the season, but he's a 10.6 offensive box plus minus and a 5.1 defensive box plus minus for a total of 15.7 of a box plus minus. Um, as you said, he's not averaging. His stats aren't, you know, sexy. They're not really, like, jumping off the page. And that's when I was talking to um, some of my fellow coworkers at NBA Lead, uh, and I was arguing that Paul is in my top three for MVP voting. They they looked at his numbers, and they were like, you know, I don't really think he's doing that much. And you got to look deeper than that because, one, the teams are the Clippers have blown out a lot of teams. Um, as you just mentioned, they're blowing out the Nets again. Um, 
So that kind of hurts his numbers. And two, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, I'm kind of past looking at just the generic points, assists, rebounds, etc. number, um, which is why you have to look deeper on, on Westbrook's numbers and look deeper on Harden's numbers to really appreciate Harden um, and understand Westbrook's level of, of production more. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. Chris Paul's definitely a performer of the league that I forgot, but is yeah. I would consider top three in my MVP voting so far. Definitely. Additionally, actually, looking at his advanced numbers and like, like you said, like you have to look deeper with these guys, and I think that one of the reasons that Paul isn't going to get a whole lot of respect in the MVP ranking is that uh, people with these votes don't necessarily look at like the deeper advanced numbers. Um, but right now he's leading the league in defensive box plus minus according to basketball reference uh, with plus 5.1. Um, he's leading the league in win shares for 48 minutes at point four oh eight. Uh, he's leading the league in defensive win shares and win shares in total. And he's leading the league in PER. Um, that's Chris Paul through 10 games. And you can figure against uh, the Brooklyn Nets, that's probably all, all of those numbers are going to climb. Um, after this one, so I I think that Chris Paul is um, an underrated dark horse candidate for any award he wants right now. Yeah, I mean I, I think his advanced numbers just ju- his advanced numbers are the numbers that really jump out to you on the page. Um, but again, it you know the people with the votes don't really look at those, and even the casual fans don't really look at those either. Um, but you know if the Clippers keep it up and they finish, it looks like they probably, at this rate, could finish second in the West. Who knows? Maybe they even finish first. Who knows if the Warriors get it together in time to to win the number one seed. Um, But that, I think, will play into effect. Maybe, you know, kind of of like a respect factor um, that the voters would give it to him. But, you know, we'll have to see if his number, if his advanced numbers stay up uh, and the Clippers stay healthy and their record continues to be this great. Um, Speaking of the Clippers, let's move on to hot teams of the week. They're the first one I want to talk about. They had a 4-0 week. Um, coming into tonight, again, they're, they're blowing out the Nets, so it looks like they're going to be um, on a seven-game winning streak. Um, they, their wins were against Detroit, Portland, at Oklahoma City, and at Minnesota. So those are not bad wins in any means. Um, they have a plus 15.1 point differential. Um, again, going into tonight, their net rating was 14.8. Their defensive rating was 92.7. Um, and the offensive rating of 107.5. As I mentioned, they're blowing out teams. They're 9-1. and one. Um, After tonight, we'll most likely be on a seven-game win streak. So besides Chris Paul, we already talked about him. Um, what else have you liked about the Clippers and how they've looked so far this season? Um, as of the, uh, the writing of that post a few days ago, uh, Luke Mbamute's defensive numbers, which uh, they're like, Eight clicks deep on the, on my synergy page, so I'm not going to look them up. But <laughs> as of as of that time, two games ago, um, he was surrendering something like 0.515 points per um, points per possession in plays where he was guarding the uh, guarding the ball handler in the pick and roll. Um, he has he's really turned himself into a, a complete lockdown defender, uh, maybe even worthy of the kind of minutes he's getting in the starting lineup with this uh, borderline juggernaut like that. I am pretty much habitually not a Clippers believer. Um, <laughs> I just I just always assume they're going to Clipper it up, you know, uh, but yeah. I uh, pretty much as much as I am all in on Harden, I am all in on this Clippers team, and Bob Mute, I think, is a lot like Paul. Um, who's not going to get nearly the credit he deserves other than uh, from guys like 
you know, Shane Young and some of the uh, the NBA Twitter um, illiterati, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that um, that Mbappe Mute is going to get nearly the kind of credit he deserves, but uh, he's doing things that don't jump off the box score, and I think that's that's really important. Yeah, I'm just looking on, on basketball reference. He has a 4.3 defensive box plus minus. Um, and only a negative .4 offensive box plus minus, so he's not killing them on offense, and his total box plus minus is 3.8. Um, yeah, Mbamute Mute's not going to get, I think, enough respect or, or, you know, notice for what he's doing. Um, and also the Clippers bench has been, you know, that's been their, you know, their kind of their huge weakness over the past couple of seasons, besides injuries, of course. Um, and so the Clippers bench has, has been competent, acceptable you know, fine, um, with guys like Mo Spates and Raymond Felton and stuff like that, um, and so the Clippers have just looked really, really impressive, again, with the Clippers, it's always about, you know, what are they going to do in the playoffs, are they going to stay healthy, it is only 10 games, uh, or so, so it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep up this level, um, and if they can, maybe they'll, you know, rest some guys, make sure they're healthy for the playoffs, you know, the Clippers are, you know, with this core, especially with Paul and Griffin about to hit free agency, they've got to make a playoff run. Um, and maybe this is the year, but, I mean, as a Rockets fan, I saw them collapse, you know, live in, that, in 2015. And ever since then, I had a different perspective on kind of Doc Rivers and CB3's kind of leadership. And, and I just know that the Clippers are very much capable of clippering it, as you said. Um, the next team I want to mention are the Hawks. Um, they're on a four-game winning streak, um, and they've had wins um, at Cleveland and then against Chicago on a back-to-back, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, they have a plus 10.7 point differential and a net rating of 11.2. Again, a really good defensive team. Their defensive rating is 95.8 with their offensive rating of 107 um, on the dot. Um, so they, they just look like a really balanced team. Um, Dwight Howard looks like he's fitting in fine, looks pretty comfortable in his role. Um, we'll see if he keeps up before he starts pouting probably at the end of next year. Um, uh, so, so far the Hawks have looked – I think the Hawks have looked pretty impressive um, and uh, are one of the top contenders in the East to the Cavs which, with another team that I'm going to mention afterwards. Um, so I just want to get quickly your, your thoughts on the Hawks and, and what particularly has, stu- has stood out to you about their play so far this season. Uh, I've really got to watch – much of them myself, but uh, I have been really impressed with the record that they that they've put out. I was really skeptical, uh, was skeptical about the move of shipping Jeff Teague off and moving Dennis Schroeder up to the starting point guard position. Uh, I wasn't entirely sure if that was uh, if that was necessarily the right move, but it seems like it's it's paid off pretty well. Um, he's second on the team in scoring at 16.3 points per game, right behind Paul Millsap. Uh, Dwight Howard seems like he's pretty much exactly what this team needed. Um, they've historically been pretty weak in the rebounding department, and uh, he's he's doing the job. He's got uh, he's averaging 12.4 per game, scoring just fine. Basically, this is just a Dwight Howard season, and I think that fits really well with what the Hawks need. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's. I mean, I used to be, I was a, I was a good a pretty big. Dwight fan um, up until the point in this offseason when he made that kind of media tour um, and basically just bashed the Rockets front office and organization um, you know just throwing Daryl Morey and Alexander and the, and the rest of the teammates essentially under the bus um, and, and when he when he openly admitted to quitting on the team in that playoff series against Golden State I, I remember there was a quote from a Golden State player who, who said that Howard went up to him and said he can't wait to get out of Houston and it was like during game 3 or game 4 of the series I mean I, I don't I don't know how 
uh, Howard would say that with someone who's never been perceived well by the public. Um, and at, at that point, I, I basically stopped just defending Howard. Up until that point, I was defending Howard. I thought, you know, he was essentially underrated and just, you know, got an unfair rep. But after that media tour he did this offseason, um, I find it pretty hard to defend Howard. But it is nice to see him comfortable in a role. And, you know, I hope for his sake and the team's sake and the fans' sake that he stays comfortable for more than, you know, a year and a half before he starts pouting. Um, and, of course, if he can stay healthy, that'd be great, too, because he anchors that defense, provides some rebounding that they've missed over the past couple of seasons because Horford um, is, is a pretty weak rebound, rebounder. And ironically, the Celtics have turned into a, just an atrocious rebounding team this year, uh, even, without, even without Horford playing. Um, and so that's another issue that the Celtics have. Um, but yeah, I've been impressed with the Hawks. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily skeptical about their chances this season, but I don't think I had them higher than a fifth seed. I'm pretty sure I had them at the sixth seed when I did like, my prediction podcast. So, you know, they're playing a little bit above those expectations, but, you know, I do expect them to fall down a little bit uh, as the season goes on. Um, the final hot team that I, of the week that I had uh, are the Raptors, who, um, again, another East contender, made the Eastern Conference Finals last year, seemed to be the only team that can challenge the Cavs. Um, they're on a three-game winning streak. They had wins at Oklahoma City and at Charlotte, which were pretty impressive to me. Um, again, we mentioned before that DeRozan is still going off. Um, they're giving up their opponent's points per game is 99.2. Um but their defensive rating is 102.4 with a 109.2 offensive rating for a net rating of 6.7, and they're 7-2. And, um, and they, they did play the Cavs tough in that loss in Toronto in the, during the first week of the season. Um, so it looks like the Raptors, you know, everyone was talking going to the season that, you know, the Celtics are going are to jump them and win 55 games at most maybe um, and be that real threat to the Cavs. But the Raptors, here the Raptors are saying, you know, guys, we, you know, we're still here. Um, we're still the Raptors. We still made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. We got guys going off. Um, so my question is, what have, what have you liked about the Raptors so far? And, you know, do you see them again being that repeat Eastern Conference Finals matchup with the Cavs? Before the season, I had the Celtics jumping them into two and the Raptors falling just a little bit behind them into three. Uh, I'm at the moment willing to revisit that. <laughs> um, I... I Definitely, if, if Kyle Lowry can pull things together, he's struggled. Um, he's shooting below 40% from the field, below 30% from three. Um, if he can pull things together and uh, if DeMar DeRozan can maintain even remotely close to the kind of production that he's putting up right now, um, I think that uh, I think the Raptors are going to be very competitive for that two seed and uh, maybe in the conference finals berth against the Cavs. Yeah, I had the I had the Celtics leaving them um, at the two seed. I think I had the Raptors like only a game or two behind the Celtics. Um, but yeah, as you said, I'm willing to revisit that because the, the Celtics don't look good. Um, and of course, they've suffered injuries, but still, they don't. They just don't look as good as we expected. They just lost to the Pelicans tonight, who are just another mess of a team. Um, but uh, yeah, if Lowry can get it together, they're going to get Selinger back. You know, I mean, I don't know how much that helps them, but it is someone who can contribute. Um, so if Larry gets back and they get healthy, um, yeah, I, I see them as, you know, as of right now, I would probably put, put them as the two seed and uh, again to the Eastern Conference Finals. But again, it is really early. Maybe the Celtics do figure things out. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe the Raptors get an injury or two or just, you know, DeRozan falls off, but Lowry just has an all-around terrible or disappointing year. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Raptors can keep it up, but they've been impressive so far, along with the Hawks and the Clippers, who are my hot teams of the week. Um, before we get on to the cold teams, did you have any hot teams that I probably missed? Um, offhand, I think you pretty much covered the main hot teams that I would, uh, that I would be touching on. Um, there, there are some teams that are interesting and better than I expected, but I wouldn't really call them hot, per se. Like, the Lakers are interesting and better than I thought, but they also got just demolished by the Timberwolves all teams yesterday. So, hot? No. Interesting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe in the future episodes of the podcast, I'm going to have to have hot, cold, and interesting teams of the week because there are there are a bunch of teams this year that are, that are interesting and, and are playing above expectations, um, but don't necessarily fit into hot or cold. Um, so, speaking right. of cold teams of the week. Um, my first one on my list are the Denver Nuggets um, who are on a four game losing streak. Their defense is giving up 108 uh, opponents points per game. Um, and I'm just trying to pull it up. So they have 105.6 defensive rating which isn't atrocious but when you couple that with a 99.7 offensive rating for a negative 5.9 um, net rating it's getting pretty ugly. Um, the thing with the Nuggets is that you know, they showed promise in the first five to six games, and they were three and three, I'm pretty sure, uh, but they just haven't looked good since. Um, I read on today on Twitter and just looked it up that Emmanuel Mudiay has more turnovers than assists this year, um, which, which is a serious problem. Um, and Malone can't really figure out the rotation. He's playing around. He just moved Jokic to the bench, and Jokic is playing poorly, and then Malone says it's my fault that he's playing poorly because I played him at power forward. Um, you know, I don't know what their rotation is, who's going to start, who's going to come off the bench consistently when they really hamper down that rotation in the middle parts of the season. Um, so what have you thought about the Nuggets, and what are your really, what are your major concerns going forward for this team? Well, they're, they're young, and thanks to that youth, they're really inconsistent. Um, I have pretty significant concerns about Emmanuel Moutier and his ability to shoot and pass. Uh, I'm looking at the, uh, the assist-to-turnover ratio for the Nuggets, and it is just over 1, uh, 1.03, and I can't find his numbers in particular. Yeah, he's got 3 turnovers per game, 3.2, and f- or 3 assists per game, and 4.6 turnovers per game. Um, if, if you want an explanation as to why they're almost neutral as far as assists and turnovers go, it's probably when your, your point guard is... Uh, is turning the ball over so much more than actually getting assists. Yeah. Um, I think that, that could end up being a serious problem, like now into the future, because I mean, their future is pretty much int- intrinsically tied to Moody. Um, I I hope that it's just a matter of him being really young, but uh, I, I do have some concerns. The Pistons just uh, just played their entire season series with them in the last week or so, and while the Pistons were coming off a back-to-back, they, uh, I think they played in Phoenix the night before, uh, it was Phoenix or San Antonio, I'm trying to recall offhand, either way, they played the second half of a back-to-back in Denver, and the Pistons jumped all over them right off the bat, and, like, it, it's really not something you expect to see when a team comes into Denver on the second game of back-to-back earlier in the week I'd written about it and I said that, um, and let a team like the Pistons who are road-weary and just trying to get home jump all over them and uh, it, it leads me to have some some pretty significant concerns with this team for sure yeah as you mentioned the, their Nuggets future is, is tied to Moody I and I was-
as they get, you know. Um, and uh, it really surprised me to see that the Nuggets could come out flat like they did um, and let a team like the Pistons, who are road-weary and just trying to get home, jump all over them. And uh, it, it leads me to have some, some pretty significant concerns about this team, for sure. Yeah, as you mentioned, the, their Nuggets' future is, is tied to Moody. And I would also argue Jokic, who's also been playing poorly. So when you're two kind of, I wouldn't necessarily call them cornerstones, but the two probably their best young players, Moody and Jokic, are both disappointing this season. It's a pretty good recipe for a disappointing start uh, so far. And, you know, they have time to figure it out. They're a young team. Some nights they'll, they'll have a stretch where they go like 3-1 and one in one week and the next week 0-4. Oh so, you know, It'll be an interesting team to watch and maybe see if they make some trades with guys like Gallinari and Chandler to, to some contenders later in the year. Uh, the next team I had on my list, um, I'm putting here on the you know cold teams of the week mainly for their losing streak, the Miami Heat. Um, they're in a four-game losing streak. And the thing with the Heat is that you know their defense isn't bad, but their offense is seriously struggling, 95.5 points per game. Again, their losses are at Oklahoma City, Chicago, and Utah in this past week. So those are not bad losses. But um, their schedule doesn't really get uh, easier over the, you know, over this week. They have Atlanta tomorrow um, in Miami, um, and then they play. I'm um, just looking at the schedule right now. I'm trying to see who they play. Um, I can't remember offhand, but um, they also have to go in Washington um, in the weekend. So you know, the Wizards are, are another disaster. Um, but you never know. The Wizards can pull out a win there so the, the heat schedule doesn't get easier over the next week and with this losing streak they're in serious danger of falling like, way behind in the eastern conference and i didn't think they were going to make the playoffs to begin with um but if this continues and, and they've got some injury problems with goran dragic they could be in some serious serious trouble with the uh with the standings in the eastern conference um so you know quickly i mean do you have any thoughts about the Heat? What's disappointed you the, the most so far, and if they have any chance of turning it around to be close to you know 500? Um, I think the only thing that the Heat have to play for is Hassan Whiteside and the block title. <laughs> I, I think I had them somewhere in the 10 to 12 range in the Eastern Conference in my uh, my preseason predictions, um, and while I pretty willing to reconsider some of my uh, predictions this season. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty firm on the Heat just not being good, and uh, I, I don't think that I had them as bad as they've been, um, but I, I think that their season is pretty much over. I thought that in September, and I, I still think that now. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think they were, I think I think I had them at 36 wins. Um, yeah, they, they obviously didn't have a great roster going in. Um, and then if they deal with injuries and then have this slow start, you can pretty much write them off already. Um, so really don't have to spend that much time on the Heat, but it's just interesting to see if their offense can improve somehow while keeping that defense, you know, to be pretty solid. The final cold team of the week that we've, you know, touched upon mainly because of Westbrook, uh, uh, do I have is the Oklahoma City Thunder. As mentioned, as we talked about before, um, you know, they've lost four straight, including that loss to the Pistons tonight. And then including in those four losses, they've had three great Westbrook performances. Again, you know, you can define great, you know, how you want. But they he put up his, his numbers. Um, and the thing with the Thunder is that they might be they might be on a four-game losing streak. They might be six and four now, and people might be going, oh, here come the Thunder reverting back to what we thought. And I didn't think they were going to be a, a great team this season anyways. 
Um, but the thing is, they still have time because their schedule is not that hard over the next week. They've got Houston in Oklahoma City on Wednesday, so that'll be an interesting game to see, Harden versus Westbrook. But then they also have games against the Nets and the Pacers, um, I believe, all at home. Um, and again, the Nets are no pushover, as you know we've seen um, somehow. Um, and the Pacers have been a, a pretty good train wreck so far. So the Thunder do have this week. They could see three wins later this week, or they could go, you know, two and one. They can still turn around. But um, because of their four-game losing streak, um, they're on my cold teams of the week. So, you know, quickly, what is your what are your what is your biggest concern with the Thunder moving forward as their schedule inevitably gets harder than it has been so far? Um, I think that we're basically seeing what the Thunder really are now. They got off to a crazy hot streak to start the season. Um, I was pretty surprised when they jumped out to I think four and zero and then six and one, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like. Sometimes you'll you'll see a hot start like that and really buy in, and sometimes you'll see a hot start like that and just sit back and, and wait for the train wreck, you know. <laughs> and while I'm buying the Clippers, I think they had the same record at the, at the time. Um, I'm, I'm buying the Clippers, and I am I was just basically in sitting back and waiting for the train wreck mode to begin with the Thunder. It, it it came a little quicker, and it's been a little bit more uh, more violent than I expected it to be, but. Surprised if they swept that three-game stretch that you're talking about, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them only win one game. Yeah, because um, Brooklyn is—we're going to pretend this thing against the Clippers tonight is not happening. <laughs> um, I'm putting the Clippers in almost the same kind of stage that the, the Warriors went last year, when they were really just like ripping everything apart. Like the Clippers are putting teams away at the eight-minute mark in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to pretend this thing with the, the, the Clippers is not happening to the Nets right now. Um, the Brooklyn Nets can jump up and surprise you. And, you know, the Rockets, I'd say, can probably play with anybody but, like, the top three or four teams in the NBA right now. Um, I kind of feel like the, uh, the Pacers are the most likely team for the Thunder to beat. But I think that the Thunder are unpredictable and not that good um, to the point where they could possibly lose all three of those games. Yeah, and, uh, the thing with their hot start, they started off 6-1. and one. Um, up up until that win at Los Angeles, but, but when I started to reconsider them, but even when they were starting off, you know, four and zero, you know, the first game of the year they struggled. They barely beat the 76ers. Um, the 76ers haven't been a complete joke. They did fight against the Cavs and a bunch of other teams, um, but they did barely beat the 76ers and they barely beat the Suns um, in Oklahoma City. They had a slight struggle with the Lakers, who we we've seen the Lakers are on a pushover and are a decent team so far this year. But you know, I was skeptical because they were struggling to beat some really bad teams um and i was just you know i was like you know sitting back and waiting for you know the the train wreck to come um and it's come a little bit faster and probably a little bit more sudden than you know i expected um but it'll be interesting to see how the thunder rebound with this kind of week going forward um so before we move on to another new segment are there any other cold teams that i missed that you had on your list um i kind of teased it a little bit but uh the pacers the pacers the pacers the pacers um have their schedule here. They have they beat the Magic tonight somehow while they're giving up like just truckloads of points every night. They held the uh, the Magic to 69 points tonight, which is pretty impressive. Um, but of their last four games before that, their only win was a uh, home overtime victory against the 76ers uh, on uh, Wednesday last week, and then the Sixers swiftly avenged that with their first victory of the year on Friday. Um, so 
be the Pacers are capable of losing to anybody, and they almost lost to the Sixers twice. Um, they gave up 125 points to the Bucks uh, about a week ago, week and a half ago. Um, like the Bucks don't do a whole lot of scoring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Pacers are a team that I was low on to start the season. I got. My sanity was questioned at times by some uh, some Pacers fans uh, when I had the Pacers missing the playoffs. I think I had them with like 37 wins. Um, I'm not ready to revisit this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the fact that the Pacers are not what most people had uh, had in mind. Um, and the Pacers are facing the Cavs and the Warriors and the Suns and the Thunder. I mean, that could go either way, but um, the Suns are not necessarily a pushover either. This could be uh, this could be an ugly week or so stretch for them, and they are five and six right now, and they could be worse than that. Yeah, I mean that I mean, your prediction of thirty-seven or so wins and missing the playoffs is a lot uh, worse than my prediction. I think I had them at I think I had them at the sixth or fifth, maybe even the seventh seed. I'm not sure. I wasn't super high on them. I really had some issues with their offseason. Um, uh, mainly getting rid of Hill and bringing in Teague, who I, I think Hill is a better player, and. Um, you know, letting Vogel go and just just to you know promote Nate McMillan, I thought was a what are you doing move. Um, but here they are, five and six again. They have a a negative two point six net rating, uh, hundred five point one defensive rating. Yeah, their defense has been a lot lot worse than people expected. Um, so we're interested to see if they can rebound from that. And Paul George is pissed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens in Indiana. Um, so now. Um, I want to debut a new segment that I call Opinions. Um, so essentially each week um, I'll choose a league-wide issue or situation and, and kind of give an opinion on it. Um, so this week I think it's probably most appropriate since we just had our election on Tuesday, unfortunately, um, to talk about the players and coaches speaking out on the election and the president-elect. I can't believe I just said that, Donald Trump. Um, so I can't believe you guys did that. I cannot believe you guys did that yourselves. <laughs> Oh, I was embarrassed to be an American that Tuesday, and I'm, I'm still embarrassed to be American, actually. I, I don't think I'll ever not be embarrassed to be an American after that election. But, um, so, you know, a lot of us, a lot of NBA fans realize that, you know, Stan Van Gundy, um, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr were the, probably the three biggest coaches who, you know, really <laughs> pronounced their opinions on the election and Trump. Um, I don't think anyone was more brutal than Van Gundy, who just flat out said he's a racist, you know, bigot, etc., and we just elected him president and stuff like that. Um, and even some players, you know, have subtly, you know, said their opinion on the election. So, I mean, I'm in favor of this. Um, I think that while many people kind of think that athletes and sports figures should kind of stay out of politics, I think that the circumstances have changed, um, especially with this year's election. And I think that these players and coaches should actually use their influence and, you know, and their platform to speak out, um, especially in such a controversial and, and contested election. Um, so you don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I mean, are you in favor of these coaches and, uh, and NBA players, you know, kind of just flat out just denying Trump as president? I am. Um, that's not necessarily to say that they should just flatly deny him as president. I think that if they were in favor, that they should feel free to speak on that as well. Um, I happen to fall on the side of, of Pop, Anchor, and Van Gundy in that I think it's absolute lunacy, and I still cannot believe that you guys, and I say you guys because I am Canadian, God bless Canada, <laughs> uh, um, uh, I, I still can't believe that the uh, that your fired guy is your president, but um, I think that 
the public reacts negatively, um, not so much to the opinions being expressed, but to opinions that they don't agree with being expressed. Um, people people claim to want you know some personality and some 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 life in the interviews, the comments the players give, but when it's something that goes against the grain or goes against you know, popular convention of the time or just like what that person at that time uh, feels is correct or appropriate, that's when you see disagreement. Um, so I think people are wanting it both ways and considering the fact that there are usually more than, there's usually more than one way to look at a thing. Um, you can't have it both ways. If you want your players to be interesting, that means they have to speak their mind. If they speak their mind, they have to be thinking about these things. Um, and what better thing to be thinking about than the like the social environment and climate that you're going to be living in for at least the next four years, unless he just quits. <laughs> uh, which, which is not you know, the question. Uh, apparently he didn't know until like this weekend that he has to uh, hire his own White House staff, and he's also trying to, um, you know, make things possible for him to run the country out of Trump Tower, which just sounds like something a supervillain oh, would do, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, be that it is, as it may, I, I want to try and like focus away from my own personal opinion here on this, but um, yeah, I, I think that if we want these players to be relatable and to be human beings, which um, I think we do, if if you look at like how many players and coaches, players primarily have you know multi-million followers on social media. Um, it's not because like they're hoping to see them like tweet out highlight clips. It's because like they want to get a look into how this player thinks, how he lives, how he acts, just what he's all about, and um, you can't have it both ways, you know, uh, if you want these guys to be real human beings, um, you're going to have to maybe hear some things you don't agree with, or, be, you know, it, it's a fairly uh, progressive uh, group of players and executives and coaches that populate the NBA, um, so that kind of fits, I think, with a lot of how, how we think, but that doesn't necessarily jive with a common man, as of course, you know, is indicated by the fact that you know, Donald Trump is Donald Trump has been uh, elected legally and above board as your president. So obviously, there's plenty of appeal uh, to the population out there as well. So yeah, it basically a roundabout way of saying yeah, I think that they should feel free to to speak their mind, especially when they're done as eloquently and. Uh, as impressively as as uh, Van Gundy and Popovich and Kerr did. Yeah, I was, I was, I thought was they, the way they kind of shared their thoughts was was really nice. Um, and you know, going back to that, to what you said about you know wanting our athletes to like speak out, but then also when they say something, when they actually do speak out, you know, being against that and criticizing them. Um, this is about like social issues or like the election. But recently, um, Marcin Gortat was asked like about the Wizards bench, and he flat out said, "But we have the worst bench in the league." And then I saw some a lot of people obviously bashing him, like, what are you saying? Like, that's horrible for the chemistry in the locker room. Um, but then someone, I think a Wizards reporter was saying that, you know, we sit here and we want these athletes, when we ask them the question, we want them to say the truth. And then when they say the truth and what they're actually thinking, we just go ahead and bash them for it. So it's kind of a double standard. You know, you got to hold the, you know, if you, want, if you want the athletes to speak out and say what they actually think and they say that, you accept that and you just analyze what they say. You don't just bash them because they're saying the truth, even if it does insult their team or, you know, in this case, millions of people who support Donald Trump for president. Um, 
So, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. Just in, not only, you know, players and coaches speaking out about social and, you know, kind of country-wide issues, but even when they speak out about just things going on in their own league, um, it's just interesting to see the reaction. Um, due to time, I, we have to skip our awards race updates segment. Um, hopefully I will do that segment in next week's episode of the show. Um, I just want to conclude with uh, a running segment on our show, Best and Worst of the Week. Um, if anyone is new to the show, basically, you know, each week um, I'll choose up any team, a player, front office personnel, a topic, etc., anything that's going on with, in the NBA um, that had a good or bad week. Um, my best of the week is a pretty cheap kind of pick. Um, I'm picking the Clippers because, I mean, I've just been so impressed with how they're rolling. That's, you know, as I said, after they beat Brooklyn tonight, it'll be a seven-game winning streak. Um, they're blowing teams out. They're cruising against playoff teams. Um, they had that really impressive back-to-back you know, thumping of both the Grizzlies and the Spurs on the road. Um, and the, as I mentioned before, the Clippers bench is actually competent. And guys like Mbamute have turned into really good defenders. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, that we think Chris Paul is an underrated MVP candidate. Um, so who's your best of the week before I get to my worst of the week, which I think I would rather talk about? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with the Clippers as well. Uh, they're just unbelievable right now. Um, they have so many ways to beat you, and it they're like a flash, you know, like you blink and they've just smoked you. Like the Pistons played them about a week ago and it was unbelievable to watch like just how quick they got up on a, a pretty good Pistons team and just, you know, I think was it a, about three minutes into the third quarter they had more than doubled the Pistons score. I think it was like 73 to 35 mm-hmm. and I think they did something very similar to the to the, um, the Blazers a couple minutes later. I think it was like 93 to 45 or something like that. The third, just something like utterly preposterous, you know? Um, so, yeah, there's nothing better in the NBA right now than what the Clippers are doing, I don't think. Yeah, uh, they've just been really impressive. Um, and with only a couple minutes left, we don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but my worst of the week are trade rumors. Um, so today, uh, two rumors came out. One was that apparently the Golden State Warriors are looking to ship Clay Thompson to Boston to the Celtics. Um, and then another rumor I saw, I think from Bleacher Report, was uh, you know that the Kings or a lot of league executives believe that believe that the Kings would be trading Cousins um, in early December, in the first like two weeks of, of December. I just it's just it's too early for blockbuster trades and these trade rumors that were you know the Warriors already denounced that rumor about Thompson. Um, I don't think the Kings have even bothered to mention about that Cousins rumor, um, but they've been dealing with another rumor in, in Omri Caspi saying he wants to trade, and that's been denounced too. Um, so my worst of the week are trade rumors. So, um, quick, we only have about a minute or two, so you know, who's your worst of the week, and if you want to comment on these trade rumors? Um, I'll, I'll jump in on the trade rumors being pretty awful. Uh, they should be denounced, and usually they, uh, they get started as just like you know, com- completely away from an organization. Like, I- I'm aware of uh, a couple of fellow, like, fan-sided sites that will write a post that is not rumor or anything that is source or anything like that that is, like, simply framed as speculation. Uh, like, I wrote something uh, a month or so ago when uh, there was unsubstantiated rumors that LaMarcus Aldridge might be seeking a trade. Um, I-, I think that that's been completely disavowed and at the time I didn't really think that there was much to it but you know it's an interesting thing to, to explore um, now while this didn't get picked up as a rumor there have been similar things that get picked up by sites such as as, uh, as mine at Fist and Power um, where then somebody like uh, I, I will mention names of sites but 
other less reputable sites will pick that up as a source and then they will start uh, some rumor mongering and things will go from there. Somebody won't source it and, you know, it, it snowballs and then it's hard to figure out where it all came from and there was literally nothing to it in the first place. I don't know if that's where, uh, where the Clay to Boston rumors started, uh, but regardless, I think that they should be curbed. Uh, my own personal <laughs> my own personal worst of the week is uh, topical. The Orlando Magic only scored 69 points against the Pacers tonight. That's the worst of the week for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does that does make sense, and that does work for worst of the week. The Magic, That's as bad as it gets. <laughs> yeah, the Magic have been quite a disaster so far this season. Uh, yeah. Well, just want to conclude uh, before we go, uh, where everyone can find your work. I mentioned it previously, but where I just want to shout out if you can tell everyone where they can find you on social media and where to look for your work um, throughout the season. Sure. Um, I'm writing just about every day on Piston Power. Uh, that's pistonpower.com. And I write a few times a week on Hoops Habit. And you can find me on Twitter at DuncanSmithNBA. Pretty much everything I write gets put on there. And I try to write interesting things throughout the day on Twitter as well. So, um, Give me a follow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, I just want to remind everyone before we go, you can find all of our previous episodes on our Blog Talk radio site, or you can find us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So just search the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast, and you'll find all of our episodes there. Again, our show is brought to you by Fan Essentials. Use promo code 94FEET at checkout for 30% off. Um, and Daily Fantasy Nerd, if you click on the link um, on my Twitter or on our um, podcast summaries um, on our Blog Talk Radio page, you'll help with the podcast out and get some great Daily Fantasy tools. Again, I'm Eric Spiropolis. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. This is the 94 Feet Report. Thank you for listening, and have a great week, everyone. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.